Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's the Touchdowns All Day with John Barber podcast. Yes. In the quarantine. One of the uh, just truly amazing things is the whole world has stopped what they're doing. This I have never seen before. Have you seen anything like this before? This is the first time since what people tell me is maybe 1918 or something. Last giant flu. And think about the technology they had back then. There's nothing. There's not even a TV. You know, it was like a radio at best. So this is the first time modern technology and modern medicine and all these huge constructs that we've, as a society, have been building for years and years and years. And now here we are with our first pandemic ready to tackle it. And what happens? We all just go into our caves and draw on the walls. I like it. I like it. Since I kind of draw on the wall for a living, uh, this suits me, this quarantine. But I know that it's a very dangerous time and there's a lot of stress out there. And I feel for everybody because even for me, where the you know lifestyle hasn't changed all that much, it's still a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress to see the economy just kind of vanish in a way. It's kind of an interesting opportunity, though, if you think about it. Is there... A, there's always these people talking about post-capitalism and post-economy and what the world's going to look like after, you know, we don't need money or all these things. Now's the time to try those things out. If that stuff is going to work, we should try it now. Hey, why not, right? We should try it now. And then in three months when the quarantine's over or however long it is, people would be like, hey, I don't want to go back to that. Let's stay in this thing. You know, that's that's going to be interesting. At the end of the quarantine, what if we don't want to go back to whatever bullshit we were doing before the quarantine? What if we just want Amazon to bring us everything and just hang out in our house and chill and maybe watch a uh, surfing video or two and pretend that, you know, one day we're going to get out in the ocean and do some surfing? Yes, folks, that's what I did all day yesterday. I watched videos about how to surf and convinced myself that at some point in time, living in California, I'm going to get on a board and get out in the ocean. Sometime I'm going to do it. Eventually. some It'll happen. I promise. Maybe. Nah, probably won't. But I would love it to happen. And, uh, and you know, I, I spent a whole day researching it for that very reason. But really, in this quarantine... You know, they don't have enough ventilators and all this other stuff, right? So there's some stuff going on, but really it's just can a non-capitalist world meet the needs of its people while the people just hang out in their house and cool out and maybe, you know, some people start like cool businesses like Mark, the bass player of the Disco Biscuits, and Alicia Carlin started a live lesson master website where you can give lessons to people and I... I put some lessons up on Friday afternoon, and they all sold out. So I'm not going to give a huge amount of lessons, but I'm giving two a week to be part of it. And, you know, it's awesome. I had a great experience today with that lesson that I gave. It was really fun. I did not expect to have anything. I mean, I know I know some stuff, but most of the stuff that I know, I learned on stage in the middle of some hectic, crazy jam 
And so it did take me a while in, in the lesson to try and understand for myself how to explain, you know, people are like, why do you play those notes? And the answer isn't always because the music theory makes sense. That's not necessarily the answer for me all the time. A lot of times, and I don't know how musical this is, but it's to me, it's part of the overall package. A lot of times, the notes are there to kind of elicit responses from the other jam members of the band during the jam. Why is that not musical? You know, if, if the notes in a song are there to elicit responses in the listeners, you know, and you have different kinds of listeners and you want to kind of put stuff out there for each one of them, it does make sense that some of the notes that I use are there so Mark and Aaron and Alan can, you know, look at me and say, what's going on over there, dude? Hey, that was a weird one. You know what I mean? So there are some, you know, I got to find a name for them. Popcorn notes or, or, uh, or uh, well, I don't know what they're called. If you can think of a name for a note that you throw out just for the band to kind of like peep over and say, yo, what what's going on over there? Tweet it at me. Hashtag touchdowns all day. We're here on our favorite podcast, folks. Touchdowns all day is a proud part of the Osiris Podcast Network. Check out all the podcasts on OsirisPod.com. I listened to the tapes archive, Dan Aykroyd and uh, John Belushi yesterday while I was jogging. And let me tell you, that was a great podcast. So go for it, Osiris. You know what I mean? Like that, what an amazing podcast that was. And the fact that they're working on all these different podcasts, that to me was a hit. I love it. So it's great to be a part of the podcast network. These guys are doing great stuff. And there's a lot of great podcasts besides Touchdowns All Day that you can listen to. You, you can hear my interview on in and out with Turner and Seth if you want to from last December. That was kind of fun. Always great to talk to those guys. This episode is sponsored by At Gray Star Collective. That is gray with an E. And uh, which is the correct gray with an E or an A? I don't know. Who knows? What am I talking about? Let's talk about gray with an E, right? Gray Star Collective. It's a CBD startup based out of Denver. They specialize in all organic spirit hemp products. They source them all, organic stuff, really great stuff. It's smokable hemp, pre-rolls, edibles, tinctures, topicals, a one-stop shop for the best hemp products on the market. So these guys are real product-oriented people, quality guys. All their products are dosed accurately and effectively and are great for a variety of ailments. We had CBT soap the other day. There's CBD in everything nowadays, and it's wonderful. Please follow them on Instagram at Graystar Collective for product updates giveaways. They have a giveaway coming up this week. So go on there and just hashtag touchdowns all day on one of their giveaway feeds and they'll probably choose you. I hope. You know what I mean? If you want to get a product and price listing and get in early on the stuff that they're doing, send an email to ryan at Star collective, R-Y-A-N at G-R-E-Y starcollective.com. Thanks for listening. It's wonderful of those guys to sponsor our podcast, even during the quarantine, even when all the other sponsors were like, no, we can't afford it now because of the quarantine. Star Collective was like, no, 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 run the ad, bro. And we were like, yes, there you go. There you go. So we're in a quarantine. I know. I know it's a thing. It's this thing. Everybody's got to deal with it. Uh, I really feel bad for all the people out there that are on the medical side of this game because that's got to be frightening. And it does feel like we, those of us who aren't on that side of the game have a, uh, a much easier time with something like this. 
than somebody who's going into a hospital every day to treat patients and dealing with the other side of it. We have an interview coming up with uh, executive producer of the Touchdowns All Day podcast, Vic Sobti, who is a doctor and his wife is treating people in the hospital. Vic tells us all about that. That's the next podcast, and we've already cut that. And then the podcast after that is called A Roundtable, and we're having fun on that podcast. God forbid, in quarantine, we have some fun. So those are the podcasts that we have, and they were going to be for, you know, obviously this is episode 26. We have Evan Winokur on this episode. Evan Winokur is the manager of the Disco Biscuits, and he'd like to speak to you guys. He'd like to get some messages through to you guys because there's been a lot of cancellations. There's been a lot of postponements. There's been a lot of, you know, not this, than that, what the fan base to do, right? What a Biscuit fan to do, yo! So what we did is we... Basically, brought him on the podcast and peppered him with all those questions. And you guys can listen right here, right now, this episode, and get all the answers to that. Rich Steele picked out a dope jam for this episode as well. So this is going to be hot too. But the thing about it is, is like I kind of have all three episodes ready to go. And I'm queuing them up for every other Sunday, right? So I can go back to my life. And I'm looking at my life right now. And with the quarantine and without the tour... And with the fact that we cut a bunch of Biscuit studio tracks in Philly instead of playing the Fillmore a couple weeks ago, right? We canceled the shows, but we, we did go in the studio. And I think a lot of you know that already. So like now I have studio tracks that I have to sit with and I have to craft and I have to get to the other band members and I have to get with them and figure out how to make them great. That's my job now. So the question is, you know, why am I sitting on all these podcasts? And then, like, the podcast is always on my to-do list, right? I'm going to change the Touchdowns All Day schedule. And I think it's going to benefit you guys. It'll benefit everybody. Instead of doing every other Sunday, we're actually going to drop the next six weeks worth of episodes. So the next three episodes, we're going to drop them all this week. Just boom, boom, boom. And you guys can listen to them all in one week, and it's fine. Binge it. Enjoy yourselves. And it's a lot of COVID-19 stuff. It's a lot of Disco Biscuits in postponement stuff. It's some funny stuff. So it's all, we'll just drop it all now. And then it gives me a couple weeks to kind of take the podcast off of my to-do list and put the Biscuit album on my to-do list, which is a good thing. Now work on it. I get to go deep, which is where I got to go. And then we have other podcasts that are kind of in the can, like ready to come around right now. We have a Pigeons Playing Ping Pong podcast. We have a Space Jesus podcast. Um, some other exciting things coming up. A really exciting one that I can't tell you yet. So there's some stuff. But, you know, I'm going to buy myself six weeks here by releasing the next six weeks worth of podcast this week. Okay? And then three or four weeks from now or something like that, we'll probably drop another three. And we'll just do on a schedule like that so I can, like come out for air from the studio I can take a couple days off and in those couple days off I can boom podcast boom podcast boom podcast then we drop them all and then I go back in the studio for two or three weeks and nobody's the wiser this is the new plan right let's go with it I hope that you guys are okay with losing your every other Sunday situation Uh, my apologies to people who did really like the schedule the schedule is great I'm really enjoying the schedule but the studio has to take precedence, folks. you got to have priorities. And in the quarantine, the big priority now is that we look back on this quarantine and say, hey, we got some really great stuff done. And this is how we're going to do it. So I'm going to drop the three next six weeks worth of podcasts today. 
And I hope you all enjoy this episode, the Evan Winokur episode. We're going to talk about Disco Biscuit related stuff. We're going to talk about what it means to be a fan of a band in the COVID-19 era. Here it comes right at you. We're mass Gentlemen, you heard right. We are here on the Touchdowns All Day with John Barber podcast in the quarantine. It is just a thing, folks. It's just a thing that's happening to the whole world simultaneously right now. And it's really crazy. We have uh, the Disco Biscuits. We really lost a tour because of the quarantine. I mean, we had the most shows booked we've had in a decade. And we lost all of them. And I'm sorry to everybody who was excited about seeing those shows. I was excited to play those shows. The whole band was raring to go and whoop, with the rug in the quarantine. So we launched a, uh, we, we had an idea for a virtual tour. We have a lot of in the vault Disco Biscuit videos of full concerts that we just never released. We never put them on YouTube. We never put them on Nugs. We just never did anything with them. We held them and we were waiting for, you know, something like this. So we're going to do a virtual tour on Nugs.tv every Friday and Saturday night. You can watch a full Disco Biscuit show from The Vault. And these are great shows from... 2001, from the whole era, from all, all time. There's a ton of shows. Look at the Disco Biscuit Instagram page for the advertisements to get the specifics on it. And basically, you're supporting the whole touring organization, which is the whole company. You're supporting the whole company when you support our video virtual tour series. It's called the You Got I, I Got You Virtual Tour. And uh, all the proceeds that come in go to all the guys in the band, the crew, the, the, the merch guys. Everybody's in on it. There's also going to be t-shirts, and it's just kind of a virtual tour. You go to the show on Friday night. You go to the show on Saturday night. You buy a t-shirt. You do whatever you do. Just do it in your house and stay-at-home quarantine type of way. You know what I mean? This is a very cool thing to, for us to be able to do. Thanks, Chris Lonergan, for making this possible in Nugs.tv for the broadcast. It's really wonderful. We're also doing another free concert on Wednesdays with Nugs.tv, which is, I think, donation-based. You can make a donation to some really great charities that we've put up there and also a donation to the Disco Biscuit crew again. Because, you know, it's hard. It's hard to make it through the quarantine. Everybody's lost their job, it feels like, to me. It just feels like nobody has a job anymore. Like, am I ever going to be able to play a concert again? I don't know. I hope so. A couple months, probably. It's going to be a minute. 
Let's get back to the episode. This is episode 26. Our guest today is Evan Winokur. He works at Full Stop Management. They're one of the best management companies in the world. One of the big reasons the Biscuits were able to get back together is because Evan thought that it was doable. And Evan thought that there was a path. And it's great. We're going to talk to him. You guys are probably meeting him for the first time. That's awesome. We go through the whole history. We talk about everything. And we also talk about you guys and what it means to be a fan of the band when the band's postponing shows left and right. And how how does that get sorted out in the future? Like, what does your ticket mean something in the future? Yes. Evan explains to you why and how and what and everything about it and how he's concerned about it and making sure that you guys get your value out of being a fan of this band, which is really important to everyone at this organization. So we're going to get into that in a second. But before we do, we're going to listen to this Rich Steele jam that he chose. This is 2009, April 23rd. So... Aaron Magner's birthday. It's a run like hell. And let's check out what happens here. Let's just do a little grooving. It's been a lot of quarantine talk. Let's just groove out, listen to some music for a second, and then we get into one of the most compelling interviews we've ever done on the tell you the truth this is kind of my new favorite thing i'm really really into this open ambient stuff i'm a huge fan of it and i'm gonna work on it a lot here in the studio now and it's great 2009 we were on it too Gotta love the growly bass synth. Don't hear that enough. 
Listen to how cool that is. That in our new setup with the side chains would sound incredible. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention that to Mark because I love the, the just the hugeness of it.
the massive wall of sound mellows out into some straight funk huge huge epic stuff I feel like this is kind of what we're doing nowadays except for now we're just kind of using more modern sounds and this is like very analog sounding I like it I like the analog vibes First attempt to go into the crazy land is denied. Let's see what happens on the second one. So you can hear I'm playing outside the key here a little bit. I'm trying to send a message to the band that we have to loosen up harmonically. So it's kind of what I was talking about earlier in the show. like. Some notes, like that kind of sounds cool for me to do that, that, that off arpeggio there. But what I'm really doing is I'm taking the notes that the band's playing and I'm saying, hey, that could also be this harmony. It could be what we're doing, but it could also be this. So it's almost like I'm trying to get a little paradigm shift in the head of everybody to try and, you know, loosen up the reins on what has been a very tight jam so far.
drops the cooler chord. The cooler chord means let's stay in the break. Let's not get excited. Let's keep it cool and let's build up. Let's see what happens. That's definitely the cooler chord. And this is the second version of the cooler chord. Kind of sounds like, you know, if you're staring out in the tundra with a bunch of snow dogs.
So there you have it, folks. Into the front end of Run Like Hell. You know... You know, really great job by Alan because the tempo of that jam was very even and controlled. And when you are the drummer of a band like the Biscuits where it's loose and everybody's firing on all cylinders and really playing aggressively, like trying to boom, get in front of it, in front of it, in the front of it, right? Everyone's trying to get their notes to point A and in a way that's emphatic, right? And what that does is is it speeds up the music 100% of the time. And Alan's fighting that the whole time. And nobody knows that. If you're a drummer out there and you're listening to this podcast, you're like, yeah, man, my band, oh my God, all day long, right? Always speeding up, always going into these worlds where that 140 BPM techno jam turns into a 175 BPM techno jam. And you've heard the biscuits do it a thousand times. I mean, it happens. And it almost sounds natural because it is very gradual. In that jam, Alan stuck it at a 140, 145 maybe. It was just stuck there. And it was because he played it brilliantly. Every time the band grew in energy, he countered that with a way to maintain the tempo at a good range. Exceptional drumming on that one by Mr. Alan O'Quinn. Also, uh, honorable mention of awesomeness goes to Mr. Aaron Magner. The chords he pushed into the very end of that jam, to me, sound they, they just sound unique and interesting. And just where do they come from? And yet at the same time, triumphant and fantastic, which they need to be for the top of the run like hell. You know, I think he just found, like, it just feels original to me. I mean, I listened to it just now and I'm like, wow, I mean, that should be, that chord progression should be a song in itself. If you're listening and you have a band, make a song. Borrow that chord progression from Aaron and then, you know, give him a shout out. You know, something like that. All right, let's get down to business, ladies and gentlemen. The unbelievable manager of the Disco Biscuits, Mr. Evan Winokur. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. This is the first episode that we've cut mid-pandemic. That's what this is, mid-pandemic. We're trying to make the best out of an otherwise fluey situation. Dark times. Yeah, like, can society really, really overreact to a flu? Yes. The answer is yes. We're here. Sci-fi. The world has fallen apart, and we're still here. And the podcast studio works great, don't you think? Podcast studio can withstand a nuclear blast. It could. It really could. I don't know if I could set the mics up correctly <laughs> in either situation, but it seems to work out. So, ladies and gentlemen, we have a great, great interview for you all today. This is a really special occasion. My friend and manager of the Disco Biscuits, Mr. Evan Winokur, is here on the podcast to speak to you all. Thank you very much for having me. Huge honor. This is something I've been pushing John on for months now because I'm someone that loves podcasts. And let me tell you this, one of my favorite podcasts, Touchdowns All Day. It's an honor to be here. It's everybody's favorite podcast. (laughs) Soon to be. It's weird because now that I have my own podcast, I still listen to other podcasts, but they're so boring now because they don't play music or they're just talking about how when to eat vegetables. Like All that stuff was great a couple of years ago. 
And now it's like, who cares? Don't diss my favorite vegetable podcasts. <laughs> getting into some dicey territory here. Should we start with your dietary regimen? Oh, man. I mean, I'm drinking a green juice right now. What's in this? Let's see. Sugar. Ooh. Green dye 107. Celery, cucumber, spinach. All the good stuff. Do you think any of that stuff is actually in there? I don't think so. I don't think so either. It's just sugar. You're right. I've made juice before out of celery and stuff. Didn't taste anything like that. <laughs> it tastes pretty bad, right? It tastes terrible. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. It's so good for you, though. It is. You can feel how good it is for you. Mm-hmm. And it's good for your like mental state. That's all this is, a placebo for me to think I'm living a healthy life. Yeah. There it is. And how's that placebo working? It works okay. <laughs> Half the battle's up here, right? Yeah. 70%, I heard. 50%'s <laughs> been revised. Should we start with your story? Who are you? How did you and I get to meet? It's a great meet? story. Let's start with that. Those are two separate things, but those roads intersected at some point. Okay. My story, born on December 22nd, 1982. It was a rainy day. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I grew up on the East Coast, much like you. Born in okay. Manhattan. Moved to New Jersey as a young teenager. Met a couple guys in Jewish school and started mm-hmm. playing in bands. You know, played in bands throughout high school. Loved it. We got signed when we were 18 started touring. It's funny because right around that time in my life, I was going to shows as well. And Mm. it wasn't always the music that I was playing, but it was the music I was listening to. And at that point in my life, 1999, 2000, 2001, the Disco Biscuits were one of the bands that we would go to see. Interesting. My first Biscuit show? Yeah. September 2001 at the Wetlands. Whoa. Epic show. Whoa, right before... Right before 9-11. I remember that show. Six or seven days before 9-11, maybe, and I remember there was an epic helicopters. Wow. Huge. Throughout the set, multiple times. Inverted, Mm -hmm. maybe. Who knows? But it was special. And I left that show, and we got out on the street, and it was a really beautiful night. And I remember thinking, damn, they are fucking amazing. From that point, I probably saw you guys... 15, 20, 30 more times over the next few years, Mm. from Starland Ballroom to Roseland to Electric Factory, kind of all over the East Coast. I'd see you guys at festivals, and you just always had something special. It was something that was very different from a bunch of other live bands at the time. But my life, you know, was very focused at that time. We were touring a lot. I played in a band called Steel Train at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, we spent 250 days out of the year on the road. Wow. Jesus. It was a lot. You know. That's unbelievable, though. That's every single day. Exactly. Exactly. It is. Yeah. It feels like you're home, you know, for just the holidays or the small things. You were a bass player of that band. Exactly. Wow. Great instrument. Wow, that's crazy. It was a great time. And I did that for a long time. But at a certain point in about maybe 2012, we had been doing it for 11 years at that point. Mm-hmm. And I had fallen in love with California. As an East Coast kid, you grow up with these winters. Mm. I just couldn't do it anymore. We would be on tour coming out here and I made so many friends out here and I just fell in love with the weather. You know, John and I are taping this podcast, probably the middle of winter in New York. We're looking outside. It's sunny and it's 75. Gorgeous. You'd never imagine COVID-19 had ravaged the earth. <laughs> I know. You can't tell. It doesn't affect the the way that the sun hits the backyard that much. Very true. I fell in love with it and I didn't want to be on the road anymore. We had just done it for so long. And a friend of mine had just started to manage a very big artist mm-hmm. and he was looking to kind of build a management company and he was looking for people to come on board. Luckily, I was there at the right time and I was one of the first managers to come in. I'm very lucky in that I've been given a lot of license to do what I want and I think I've kind of used that to find artists that I want to work with. That's very lucky. Very lucky. I've For a few years, I was at this smaller boutique company with a couple of big superstars. Bruno Mars was one of the artists. Mark Ronson was one of the other artists. Sarah Bareilles was one of the other artists. But 
Mm. I always had a great roster of artists that I loved and I really related to. And a few years later, this company became part of a much bigger company and my roster expanded as well. And I've been very, very appreciative of the people that I work with from a creative standpoint, but also from, you know, a strategic standpoint. I'm very lucky to be surrounded by people that are excellent at their job and, you know, both on the management side, but also on the artist side. So that's a little bit about my story, but I can tell you exactly the story of Barbara and Evan. Do you want to hear that? (laughs) Yeah, let's hear the Barbara Evans story. Beautiful. I think I know. Tell the fans. You know it. For the rest of you guys out there, again, much like you, I discovered the band by seeing them at a live show. And I saw them maybe 20, 30 times over the course of the next 15, 16 years. And, you know, we all have our lives. And I had gone off on my life. And I'm at Coachella in probably 2016. And I see Dan Berkowitz. And he's there. And I give him a big hug. And I say, oh, my God, is that John Barber with you? And he goes, yeah, go say hi to him. And I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of a fan. But I do want to meet him. So introduce me. So Dan introduces the two of us. Mm -hmm. And we kind of just hit it off. We start talking about our mutual love of music, guitars, live music, life, California. And then I think you came to our old office, which was not too far from here. The place with the balcony and the view. Yeah, that place was cool. It was a great balcony. It was a house, though. It wasn't at all. Exactly. It was yeah. a house. It was like a thing you see in Los Angeles is people just rent cool houses to work out of. Exactly. Like nobody wants to work from home, but they go to their office and their office is a home. Yeah. So they're kind of working from home, but just they're not allowed to use the shower or something like that. I don't know how it works. You're totally right. There are definitely some rules of cans and cannots when yes. you're working in Can home Can you offices. use the shower? The- I don't think so. Is bathing out of the question? I would imagine. I Is mean, it like boss only can use the bathtub? I don't think anyone took any baths or showers. Really? In that house. It's unfortunate. We started working out of the house next door. Mm. And then we bought that house and became a part of that. But, you know, I think from those first couple hangs that we had at that house, in my mind, I always wanted to work with you. But I think at that point, you were kind of in a different place. I was really into dubstep for a little while. I don't know why. I just really liked the wah, 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 mm-hmm. like the early dubstep, like the old Scream Skrill- stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like even pre-Skrillex type of stuff where it was really really round and warm and it was dub and yeah. there was the step part and um, <laughs> that step part came in hard yeah the step part really took over so before dubstep was americanized i really liked it and i was gonna cross over from guitar and make some dubstep and i did that mm-hmm. and i found that being a dj to me mm-hmm. it's not a transition i feel like i could make well it's funny because i always thought that one of the things that stood out and separated you guys from the other artists in the live music scene yeah. was that you had that dance element yeah. and you know other artists had their own elements you know Fish has their own thing. String Cheese has their own thing. Umphreys has their own thing. Soundtrap has their own thing. Almond Brothers have their own thing. You guys kind of had your foot in two worlds. And it seems to me, even still, your fans come from both those places. Maybe. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I feel like they're like really like dance music people. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's certain things missing that we don't do from different kinds of music that we draw from mm-hmm. that make it a deal breaker for people. You're right. Like, unless you have the part of the song where the guy's hand is in the air and it's going... Womp, 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 Unless you have that part, you're not making EDM. You're right. You don't have as many peaks and valleys, but what you do have is tractor beam. And I think that might be that kind of middle ground in the Venn diagram of where those two worlds come together. Yeah, I think tractor beam is like the utility for a band like us. Somebody's always calling you up and asking you to do a gig under a pseudonym. Mm -hmm. Literally, like if you have a band right now and no one's calling you to ask you to to do another show and with a pseudonym, then you're just not hot. I hear that. You know what I mean? I'm a huge Tractor Beam fan, though. So, Let me say so that. Now we have this thing. It's like this well-developed pseudonym. 
So those nights aren't throwaways. You know, we go to a Tractor Beam show. It has its own unique build to it. Its own process that everybody can be a part of. Let me also say this for the Disco Biscuits fans out there. Mm -hmm. These guys put a lot of time into Tractor Beam. And it's not just getting up on stage and saying, let's just jam, but more dancey style. There is a lot of thought and a lot of preparation that goes into those segments during the shows and the specific sets. I've been at a couple great ones this year also. Frisco, New York. I'm excited to see this upcoming year post Yeah, you were at the first one. I was, which was great. You were at that first one. It was really cool. I listened to that one. I like that sound. Yeah. I remember my guitar synth broke one night. Yeah. And I just played guitar over all the parts, which is what it was. And I like that sound, but I also think that like where we're going with like really refining the yeah. reproduction of the actual weird sounds that everybody uses is to me more interesting almost. I agree. Getting back to the John and Evan love story. Right. Let's get back to that. So we had these hangs, you know, and we, he would call me and I would call him and I would Is it lame that we met at Coachella? Is I that think lame? it's beautiful because Coachella <laughs> will always be there even That's on right. a year That's like right. this. We just kept hanging out. We did. We kept hanging out. Why did we do that? Because I wasn't in music and you were dealing with real artists, like people who were doing huge tours all over the world. Even if we weren't working together, we still respected what we were doing. Me to a mm-hmm. great deal to you, I know that. And in May of last year, we went to get lunch in Silver Lake. I remember the restaurant. It was yes. Flore, great vegan spot. And you were telling me what you were doing. And I kind of just had this epiphany. And I said, why are you doing it like this when you could be doing it like this? And you said, I'm interested. Tell me more. (laughs) And then from that conversation, it kind of blossomed into us talking about the ideas that we both shared about, Mm. you know, where this could go. And I had not met Mark and Aaron and Alan at that point. And John was saying, Camp Bisco is a month away. You should come and meet the other guys and talk to them and tell them about your passion for this band, but also your ideas. And I remember, I think it was July 10th or one of those days, mm-hmm. we, I came to Scranton, PA. That's right. You flew on your way to Europe or on the way back, was it? I think it was on the way back. Yeah. It was on the way back. And it was a great hang. And not only did I get to see you guys play an incredible show, but we also had this great hang in the trailer before and after. It's a very special day for John. Right. That was the day that Lisa and I pulled the whole band together and told everybody and the big announcement where you hit the beer bottle with the with the metal with the drumstick <laughs> the best. and you say like hey we're having a baby it was supposed to be special that Evan was at the show for like it was you know how great it was that Evan was coming in and just everything that he represents to be part of what we're doing is always special and yet I just superseded that with this whole baby thing <laughs> I was very you were lucky. so pissed I, no get out of here I was not pissed at all I was like oh shit I'm here for this should I be here is my first time hanging with these guys yeah whatever the case was we had a really special day And I think from that, we just said, this feels right. Let's do this. And we jumped into it. And I think a lot of the ideas that excite us all, we're in right now. Like we're getting into those and working on those for this year, next year. I really feel that way about Canyons. I feel like the Canyon show, like the excitement of the fan base, the way that you guys located that as a good venue for us to do. The Caverns? Caverns. Hell yeah. yeah. I felt like that was like, hey... This is the start of like what's going to be some Bisco moments that were like everybody's doing their part in crafting. Absolutely. And I think 
I'm so lucky to get to work with a band that I've loved for so long. But what I bring that back to, and I think what's interesting for people listening that are fans of this band, I share the same thing that you guys do. We love seeing these guys do what they do best. And on top of that, to make it really special, we love seeing them do what they do best in special places. And that was kind of one of the, that's a big idea that we want to really act on. The Caverns was a perfect example of that. Here's a cave in the middle of nowhere. Let's put these guys in there and make some fucking magic. And our goal for the next year, next few years is find more of these spots. So if you guys have ideas for incredible places, whether they're an amphitheater or a cavern or whatever it may be, let us know because we want to find these special places and turn them into magic. So you heard that here first, fans. Evan wants just cold call emails about <laughs> cool places. Don't give my email address. <laughs> email John. You have his email. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, send it to podcast at touchdownsallday.com, of course. Any good ideas of what to do and where to go where a show would be really great i mean i've been finding them online like there's djs who are playing cool places nowadays sometimes it's hard to get a band to go there but there's a lot of opportunity to do this at the end of the day for everyone listening really i really mean this at the end of the day we're all the same like we all love seeing these guys play great shows and it makes it even more special for us when we're enjoying it to the most you know so Let's do this together. Let's find some cool spots because these guys are down to do it. (laughs) Really, I really mean this. I think set break is over kind of showed people that we're back. Well, that was like the first move that you guys made when we became like a team together, right? You were like, let's craft a message. And that was set break is over. And that works so well that there's a number of different people making t-shirts. I love that. There's a bunch of them. I've seen them. They're very cool. (laughs) That's when you know you nailed the hashtag. You know what I mean? I truly (laughs) feel like you guys have so many chapters in this book, but we have so many yet to write that we haven't even gotten to. And we have ideas for what those chapters are and outlines. Mm -hmm. There's chapters beyond that that we don't. And I think, you know, one thing that we've also talked about is the new album and the new songs and the new music. And, you know, just one more time, just like a little bit of insider info for you guys that are fans that are listening out there. It's fucking great. Like the songs that drew us in early on that I fell in love with, whether it's Helicopters, Mindless Dribble, Jigsaw Earth, Home Again, whatever those songs are, these songs feel like they come from that place. And these guys are still writing also. So it's like, I know there's going to be more gems that come out of these sessions. But um, I think the way that we roll the songs out, we're going to do that in a really cool fashion also. So what the fans were disappointed about is we went to play in Philly this past weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. You guys can hear the last podcast that I just released on Sunday. It was me and John Schwartz from SiriusXM. Love that. And you hear me in the monologue saying, I don't want to go anywhere. There's this huge virus. <laughs> but we had to go because nobody can cancel anything. And then when we landed in Philadelphia, the president of the United States. I have to tell this is, story. Is, yeah, you tell I, story. I have to tell just like a quick aside to this story. Wednesday morning, John calls me from his house. And he's like, I don't know, man, this is getting pretty serious. And I'm like, don't worry. Don't believe everything you read in the news. Yeah. You know, and I was like, just get on the plane. He's like, you were right. like virus schmirus. Yeah, who cares? This is this. This is the flu. Whatever. John gets on the plane. In those six hours that John was on the plane, <laughs> the world changed. And by the time he had landed, Truth. the NBA had canceled their season. Mm-hmm. NHL was canceling their season. Mm-hmm. NCAA canceled. And no shows were happening anymore. So he lands. And I felt so bad for this guy who I just asked, please get on this plane. And like Celine Dion canceled, which was like not a big Celine. One. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, these guys honestly made lemonade out there. Like they truly did something really cool because they were supposed to go into the studio two weeks later. That wouldn't have happened now. 
And instead of doing these shows, which we couldn't do, we were told we could absolutely not do, mm-hmm. they recorded some amazing stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was really, it was lemonade, right? It was whatever that saying is that's appropriate that isn't um, copywritten by Beyonce at this point. But we went there. We could have done concerts in the venue and live streamed them with no crowd, which would have been cool. Like, I think that's just a money grab at that point, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just felt like everybody was getting punched in the stomach money-wise and otherwise. Like, those hotels weren't free. Those flights weren't free. The crew took their time. But there was no show anymore. Yeah. So now we're just flying people around the country for no reason. It seemed like the only way to get something out of this weekend where we were stuck in... I could have gone home immediately, Mm -hmm. but that would have been the biggest, you know, mulligan of all time. Mm -hmm. There's great studios in Philadelphia, and Drew managed to convince them to bump some people. (laughs) I don't know how he did that. He crushed it. He got it done, right? I don't know. He's so mellow about everything. And next thing you know, all of our stuff is being put in the studio. So kudos to Drew for getting that deal done. And we go in there and we get Milk Boy Studios, which is right above Electric Factory. I've been there before. Last time I was there, I was playing guitar over hip-hop beats for The Roots way back in the day. I haven't been there since, but it felt familiar. It was like, oh yeah, this place, you know? Mm -hmm. We were in the room that I was never in because I was never in the big room. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it was like kind of new and fresh, and yet it was still like sort of old school. And we spent the first day cutting one song, and then we cut it a million times, and it was just like, okay, we really needed to practice this song. And it was good, because we got to play it a bunch. That song's great now. And then the next day, we just cut everything else in one day. It took us a day to like get comfy with the way that the studio works, with how everything's plugged in, with everybody's vibe. And I hope we get to do that a bunch more because that's really nice. If we had done one more day in the studio and done everything that we did the second day again on the third day, we would have just like so many different and varied takes of things with different solos and different vibes. It's pretty great. I was excited about it. I think you guys will have a ton of time. And, you know, I think this is something that fans out there might want to hear. But the way that artists put out music now is very different than the way they put it out 20 years ago. Truth. 20 years ago, artists on the pop side would put out one song, mm-hmm. they'd go to radio with it, and then they put the entire album out. And on the live side before, artists would just put out albums. They wouldn't yeah. even put out singles. The Grateful Dead, though, they put out singles. Clive Davis had them put out singles. Very true. Very true. I would say for artists now, the model is completely flipped because of places like Spotify, Apple, Amazon, mm-hmm. Deezer. Basically, the streaming services changed the music industry completely. What's up with Deezer? Deezer's an interesting one. It's massive internationally. Is France, that what it is? It's the biggest streaming service in France. Wow. It's huge. But in the States, it doesn't have a huge presence. There are still playlisters here and editors, and there is still a presence. It's mm-hmm. pretty big. But, you know, it just pales in comparison to the Spotify's of the world. Right. But again, like I, I was kind of saying, basically artists now put out one song, you put mm-hmm. out another song, you put out another song, mm-hmm. and you basically show your fans by giving them appetizers what the main course is going to be like. Right. So it's almost like sitting down at a meal. Like, let's just say a four-course meal. Mm-hmm. You get one song in January, mm-hmm. one song in May or April, one song in June, mm-hmm. and then you get the entire body of work. And you hope that those three songs kind of build the path for a bigger audience, for your fans to be excited about what they're about to get. Mm-hmm. But I think in many ways, you know, we've talked about rolling this album out in a similar way, you know, like... Is that our plan, do you think? I think it's close to it. I want you guys to do exactly what you want to do. But if I'm a fan and I'm also a strategist, I would say what both of us want is music soon, but we want great. That I think is the difference between now and then. Artists used to hole up in like studios 
for two or three months and then put out the album. Yeah. And now it's kind of like... I wish we could do that. That would be a beautiful way. It would be. Beautiful. Let's name the album COVID-19. <sighs> you know, I'm basically doing that here anyways, but it would be great to have that like band in the studio experience. You know, the one nice thing is like, you know, I watched like old Pink Floyd videos and stuff of them in the studio and... It's just like the bass players playing the keyboards and like they don't even care that they're eating lunch. Like Mm -hmm. they're just in no hurry to do anything. Yeah. And they're just going for this moment or whatever. They're all just hanging. And it seems like that's a luxury that bands don't get. And definitely not in our scene do they get that. I agree. And I also think the difference now is just the appetite of consumption. As a listener, as a consumer, whether I'm watching a TV show online or whether I'm listening to even a podcast, you can't afford to put out one podcast every four months. Because people go away. They find a new podcast they like. And it's the same thing for releasing music. It's kind of like it needs to be a constant stream of stuff that interests you. Right. I still have my favorite artists that go away and put out records. It's just different, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would ideally like to... I don't know. It's hard. I would like to be able to do like a long studio time where we go there every day and we, you know, experiment with different sounds and keyboards and guitars and anything that can make the music better Mm -hmm. and track everything. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. I think we're going to make that a little goal, Mm -hmm. especially because the Milk Boy recordings we did this past weekend, which people don't quite know this about the band, but... We haven't gone into a studio setting since maybe 2009. Wow. And that was a whole band. That was a whole, like, Snapchat didn't exist. You know what I mean? Instagram didn't exist. Yeah. So there's been a lot of time there. And going back into the studio, I feel like day one, we were like, we can play together really well, but why are we here? What is this? We haven't done this in a long time. Am I screwing up? Mm -hmm. And then you go in and you listen to the tapes and... The band is always going to have a different perspective on the music than the fans are going to have. So it's hard for us to trust our own perspective. Well, I think you guys are always going to be your biggest critics. And this is an interesting aside for fans to know, like everything you guys say, you know, whether these guys see it or not, they're thinking it because they might have heard it before in the past. Is the music too much this way? Is it too much that way? Are the vocals too much this way? Are they too much that way? Fans have a voice. Mm -hmm. And I think in many ways... Artists are trying to make an album that makes them happy, but at the end of the day, they also want to deliver what their fans want to hear, and sometimes that means pushing your fans in a new direction. But I do feel like these songs are, in many ways, they kind of have a little bit of what everyone loves about this band, and some exciting new stuff. Yeah, I think that what we did over the past week could be an album straight up. I don't think we're going to stop. Because this is like the job now, right? Yeah. That we have you guys, we have yeah. we have Drew, we have our merchandise is great. Like everything's great. Yeah. And when you get everything to a point in a band that everything's great, the whole goal is to make dope albums at that point, right? Nothing so. can stop us except for some type of virus. <laughs> <laughs> some kind of pandemic. When's this episode going to air? Maybe April, sometime in April or sometime in March. Probably during the virus pandemic still, I I, bet. I am hoping that we will be on the other side of this by the time you are listening, people out there. Well, let's guess. Let's gamble, shall we? I'll take a little bet. How much should we put on this? I don't know. What's the appropriate amount? A hundred bucks? That's a good bet. That's a real bet right there. Yeah. (laughs) 
I okay. can't bet less than a hundred dollars. It doesn't doesn't get my motor running. I like that. <laughs> All right. Well, we got a hundred bucks on this. What's the bet? I think we choose a day mm-hmm. that we have to have some kind of way to determine that the virus is over. Okay. That people are going to start acting as if not that it didn't exist. Like it could come around every year, like the flu does. Yeah. You know, but like people are like they're not thinking about how do we determine. Does the president say, okay, we're good? Or is there some kind of like Live Nation calls and says, okay, time to start scheduling shows, which actually could happen during the pandemic? Here's the way I actually see it playing out is I think it'll be a staircase. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's going to be like, flip the switch. Everyone's good. Baseball to the small club show. Interesting. Baseball will turn back on again. There's two sides to this. One, people being cooped up. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a moral responsibility right now to stay inside because right. we don't this is want, great that you're here. Oh, I love that. this. I, we don't want to we don't want to inundate the healthcare system. Yeah, but on the other side of that, I'm glad you didn't bring your posse of forty. Oh, other they're, they're just waiting outside in the car. No, but truly, like the way that I see this is two or three months from now, I don't yeah. think people are going to be able to stay in their holes for that long. I mean, how does that? I can, I'm almost. I'm my everyone's stir crazy already. It's true, and it's only been six hours. It's been like thirty six <laughs> hours. I'll take the flu just to get the hell out of Same, here. I know. Apparently, it's a bad flu though. So the w- stay is, in your houses, folks. What I assume is that by mid May. Mm-hmm. There will be shows happening and there will be sporting events, but I'm not going to say they're going to be at the biggest level. Stadium shows, I don't think will be back. I'm not sure baseball will be here. Is basketball done for the season because playoffs are in June? I think the unfortunate thing is that as every day goes on, new basketball players test positive for this. Oh, Kevin Durant today. No. Rudy Gobert, obviously. Kevin Durant, no way. They got Kevin Durant. Oh, man. <laughs> Kevin Durant was... Uh... The random name that I threw into a sentence because Lisa didn't want to uh, feed the baby formula. And I was like, Kevin Durant was raised on formula. <laughs> I have no idea if he was or not. I just chose, you know, I thought you were gonna superstar say, here. Insert superstar here. I thought you were going to say that was a suggestion for the baby's name. Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant Gutwillig? It's a great name. I like that. Maybe a name change? <laughs> is that a subtle way of saying I named my child poorly? This is how good managers work, folks. <laughs> they don't tell you you screwed up. They just say shit like that. Just intercepting ideas. <laughs> no. Well, you know what? Whenever I think of a good name for a kid, I think to myself, hmm, maybe that's another a reason to have another one. That's a great reason. <laughs> you know? Oh. Is that happening? Our baby number two? Uh, according to Lisa, No. According to me, why not? Oh, we've got a lot more names to cover. She does more work than me, though, so. Yeah, a lot more. Yeah, so for her, it's a whole thing. For me, it's like, this is great. (laughs) You get this thing that loves me indefinitely and stares at me like I'm the greatest person on the planet. And then when the hard stuff comes around, Lisa does all that. For those of you out there, in his short time as a father, John is a great father. I can attest to that. Thank you. I've seen him with the baby and he loves this little guy. We have a good time together. He doesn't laugh at my jokes because he doesn't know how to laugh yet. Mm -hmm. But I also don't take any of his behavior personally. Oh, he's a terrible joke. He doesn't know how to... Like, if he boos at me or something, I don't think, oh, he's booing at me. He gets the baby pass. Baby pass. Yeah. We gotta get the, we gotta get the baby pass out for the fan base. I'll so. take that. I need a good baby <laughs> pass. I'm so excited that everyone out there is listening right now because... Yeah, they're, they're listening. This is great. They're driving to work or something. Yeah. They're not driving to work. They're home. I'm the, hoping that they are. They're home in their pandemic. I mean, it depends when this airs, but I'm hoping you're in your cars on your way to your offices. I don't want to do basketball 
basketball because the season's almost over, really. Okay. Because, you know, they made you playoffs. I think they should, but... Is that the bet? I think the bet should be when baseball turns back on. Okay. What date? I think baseball is going to come back, but I don't think fans are going to be in the stands just yet. I think it's going to start without fans. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. So boring. I know. Who cares? I think it'll be mid-May. Oh, I hope they don't do that. The TV baseball. I know. It's like watching like bowling. Oh, man, you're telling me. It's like that's the problem with bowling is there's no arena full of people. I've got, you know, the Summer Classic or whatever, the July 14th is the All-Star Game. It's in L.A. I've got an artist singing the anthem and I have a... Who's singing the anthem? Walk Off the Earth. Wow. They'd probably kill that, huh? Crush it. They did it at the NBA Finals last year. It was great. I can't imagine the Summer Classic midway point of the season is going to be two months after opening day. That won't happen. I mean, how do they do that? They can't have a... All-Star game without a season, can you? could. You totally could. These are those kind of questions that, like, from our position, we don't have any money involved in it. So we're like, no, you couldn't do that. But people with money involved are like, oh, yes, you could. Absolutely. (laughs) We know who the All-Stars are. That's what interests me. I wonder if at the end of the day, the people that force this way of life that we're used to to coming back is it going to be the bigger institutions the people that really lose billions of dollars the nbas the mlbs or will Mm -hmm. it just be the government saying this is the time to come back well the government's losing they get tax dollars on everything they have sales tax everywhere yeah i mean california could go under right now oh my god because they're losing so much sales tax and they're already broke and then the federal government's kind of broke too i mean if i told you the disco biscuits were running at a two trillion (laughs) dollar deficit (laughs) You'd be like, what the fuck is your problem, dude? Do you know who Ray Dalio is? Yeah, I do. Brilliant, dude. I watched his thing on the economy the other day, and it explains like how governments function, and it's trading equity and basing off futures, and small businesses are similar to that. You know, this is a little aside also, but this might be interest to the fans. The mechanics and the infrastructure of the Disco Biscuits institution of the company, it's no small deal. You know, it's a big Mm. machine, and every weekend getting it up and running when these guys are playing, it's expensive. Yeah, so yeah. for a weekend like Philadelphia where we had to cancel these shows, we still flew everyone out. You know, we still had to pay a lot of people. We still had mm-hmm. the expenses of a lot of different things. Getting up and running, whether it's for a three-day weekend or for a tour or even a one-off, it's a lot. And there's a lot that goes into all of it. Yeah, and as an owner of the Disco Biscuits, it comes out of my salary. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why I'm in such a good mood. <laughs> you should be happy. <laughs> why Why do I not care? I don't know. Maybe it's because you did some things to stabilize the business. We did. Just in the nick of time, basically. Not realizing that we were stabilizing in the nick of time, but in retrospect. I think we implemented some structures that were able to kind of make things flow easier. But I also think one thing we have that we want to do in the later half of 2020, but also in 2021 is create some new things that excites everyone, not just us, but also the fans. And I think that's kind of what we've got in store outside of an album. It's new adventures that you guys can share with the band. Mm. And that's the kind of stuff that drew me to this band in the first place. It's the kind of stuff that drew me to management. And if I was a fan right now, I'd be really excited about it. Let's talk about some random thing real quick. What do you think about this idea of like people wearing these VR goggles 
and going to concerts in VR. How do you feel about that? I've never seen it executed to the greatest level. And the comparison that I would make is kind of the silent disco. You know, it's like, it's a cool idea in theory, but like you're not having a blast when you're with 200 friends. And it's kind of just a gimmick when it's at those festivals. The best thing about silent disco is if you're with a crew of dudes at a festival, a crew of people, and you're playing through and the silent disco's there for you, that's great. And if they otherwise the festival's closed, like they're never running a silent disco at 7 p.m. Never. That shows you the quality of the product, really. Even though I've had a great time at silent discos. And yeah, yeah, me too. And your idea is an interesting one. I haven't seen it done well yet. I think it could be something done in the future. Mm-hmm. And you were in uh, Asia recently, right? Touring around Asia. In January, yeah. What was that all about? Uh, I was with a couple artists, but, you know, was that in reference to COVID-19? or was No, it- I'm not I'm not blaming you for bringing it back oh, to the yeah. United States if that's where you're going. I, I did not. I definitely don't think you brought it back. I'm not patient zero, <laughs> but I can say this. We were supposed to play two shows in uh-huh. China near that province. We canceled them for a different reason, but I love Asia. It was beautiful. Went to Tokyo and some cool spots there and South Korea. Yeah, it's gorgeous over there, right? Oh, man, it's amazing. I'd love to get you guys over there, you know what I'm saying? That would be really interesting. I heard that I heard a couple things. One is that the fact that the country's literally shut down mm-hmm. has like created like a rebirth of mother nature because I there's so much industry there. You're right. That when the industry stops, like it literally took Mother Nature like a week to be like, oh, you guys, like maybe a month tops. And Mother Nature was like, oh, yeah, well, we're just going to regrow this and regrow this and regrow this. That cloud of pollution above the city. I saw that meme yeah. today. I, by the way, I, it's so hard to tell what's real and not. Like it could just be an image. Of one's totally. Head, but I love that idea. Maybe that'll happen here. I, I Getting here. Could happen in LA, which would be really great. There was no traffic getting here. It took me like Unbelievable. six minutes. Yeah. I mean, hey, COVID's not so bad if some good comes out of it like that, which I'm sure it will. Let me ask one more question about Asia. They have hologram pop stars in Asia. Mm -hmm. Why has that not translated to the U.S.? What's going on there? I think, you know, they have it there, but it's not like it's in stadiums. It's not like you're going to get 50,000 people to all agree to pay money to see this person when there's not really a person there. They had it here. I've seen it implemented, but again, it's kind of gimmicky. And like, I think part of being a live music attendee is wanting to see something different and wanting to see something special and if it's a hologram that hologram is playing the same set whether you're in Altoona PA or Boise you know so so there's no one playing the hologram like Gollum in Lord of the Rings there is no Andy Serkis oh geez what would happen if we Andy Serkised the disco biscuits (laughs) well I think that depends I think you'd make a faction of your hands really happy because they'd get to see you, but you'd make another faction happy because they weren't really seeing you. They were seeing a version of you. Well, what if the band played like in a studio mm-hmm. with the little popcorn jumpsuits on or whatever mm-hmm. those things are called? Mm-hmm. And then we broadcast that. Is it just that the nuance of the finger on the strings and that kind of like sweaty, grimy moment of shred fastiness? Is it just because those kind of products can't pick up that kind of stuff? That makes it not doable. I think you can do that kind of stuff. And we've talked about that with Wave, mm-hmm. creating some live set 
in front of this fake VR universe, right. which is beautiful, and other artists have done it, and we can do an even cooler version of that. But I think at the end of the day, nothing's going to replace the live experience of saying, I love this artist, I love their music, I love who they are, I want to see what happens tonight. Maybe they're going to get in a fight, maybe mm-hmm. they're going to laugh, maybe they're going to mm-hmm. tell a great story in between songs, but if you're going to see a hologram of you know, whoever it is, Nat King Cole, I don't think Nat King Cole is going off script. All right, so what did we decide with our bet, though, speaking of gambling? Is it when baseball starts playing with no fans or baseball starts playing, we don't care, the audience? Here's the bet. Will baseball start playing with fans not in the stands or with fans in the stands? No, I don't want to bet that because I I don't care if baseball starts playing. Uh, (laughs) No offense to baseball, but come on. Offense taken. (laughs) Bud Selig over here. I mean, look, it's just like, when are you going to ask the Biscuits to sing, you know, a national anthem? You know what I mean? Let's make it happen. I've seen Humphreys do it. Let's, I've seen Walk Off the Earth do it. Let's but when do the, the Biscuits get to do let's it? Let's talk to the Phillies. Let's make it happen. Then I'd start liking baseball again. Okay. Okay, so the bet is the day that COVID-19 becomes kind of in the rearview mirror. And that day will be marked by baseball returning outdoor games, like actually playing in stadiums, even though there's no fans. I think baseball is going to start May 15th. Whoa. COVID might not be over, no but... No way. You, you it's too soon? No, too, too late. Re- Ooh. See, I was on this early. Okay. I was aware of the virus before anybody else, and okay. I think it's going to be over before anybody else. This is true. We I were, don't think we're going to July. It's, this is a flu. We yes. were at brunch two weeks ago, and John is saying, batten the hatches, <laughs> get the cabins. Get yeah, that the... was for now. And I'm like, dude. I, I wanted to go to Telluride. I'd be, on, I'd be skiing right now. Uh, Actually, it would have backfired on me because I would have driven all the way to Telluride, and they would have closed the mountain. Oh, did they that's that? what I thought they, they would. It? No, I, th- I don't know about Telluride, but they closed Vale and they closed a bunch of other ones. They closed Mammoth. That's where it would have backfired on me. So it's like was a great idea as long as Telluride stays open. You can ski every day. Sucks if you're in a snowy cabin, you know, and you, none of your shit's there. I hope that by the time you guys are listening to this, we're out of this whole thing. But I think the biggest way that we'll be out of it is if people take it seriously, and at least for now, for these two weeks, stay inside and do your part. Right. I'll take the under of May fifteenth. Okay. You can have the over. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Here we go, baby. <laughs> I hope you're right, though, because if baseball's back, biscuit shows are back. And if biscuit shows are back, I'm happy. Right. I mean, we're canceling a lot of shows. I wouldn't use the word okay, canceling. Okay, let me not use the word cancel. Like, when I speak about it, what we say to you guys matters. It's true. Messaging. I have a podcast, but who cares what I'm talking about? So, we postpone shows mm-hmm. and we reschedule. Is that really what it is? Is it canceling and then just booking it again? I mean, we've played the Fillmore... 10 times like so we're not rescheduling the film more and you know what i mean we're just booking it again well here's the hard part i'll make this easy for everyone listening out there that's got tickets to shows or that mm-hmm. will buy tickets to shows that's the people we're talking to right now people who have a ticket to a show that's been postponed All what do they of think? these shows are being moved because we really take our fans seriously and mm-hmm. we know what it takes to buy a ticket to a show you're not just buying the ticket you're going to pay for a babysitter that night or you're going to pay for a train to the show or an mm-hmm. uber to the show or your gas to the show or the tolls to the show it's not you know just about us getting up there it's about you guys being there with us and creating that experience but also sharing in it so any show that was rescheduled just like the shows in january mm-hmm. our first call was we have to figure out a replacement date and the reason why we haven't announced some of these yet but by the time you're listening to this they'll all have been announced is because every other artist under the sun mm-hmm. is rescheduling their shows right every artist in the entire world right now is sitting at home 
pushing their agent and their manager and their agent and their manager are pushing the venue for holds. Right. So basically the process of getting a show is the artist says, we want to play this market. And the manager and the artist go and decide that. Manager goes to the booking agent, says, we should try to get these dates. Agent talks to the promoter. Promoter comes back and said, well, I've got the second hold at this room or this night available. Then we go back, have that conversation with the artist, and we say, here's why we think it's best to play on this day. Once that conversation happens and we get the green light, the agent can then tell the promoter. Promoter goes, great, booking, locked, show. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what we're doing now with 15 shows. So those shows that we were playing in Silver Springs in January that we had to reschedule because of Mark's surgery, we're moving those to September. Those were announced already. The shows that we were playing okay. in Philadelphia in the Capitol Theater, those mm -hmm. are going to be moved to sometime later this year. We're organizing that right now. By the time you're listening, those will have been announced. So probably also September or October. Sometime around then. The okay. other thing that gets factored in is what shows we already have in place during that time period that mm -hmm. have radius clauses or reasons why we can't play nearby. So for instance... We don't play a ton on the East Coast around Camp Isco mm -hmm. because we want Camp Isco to be this special experience. Mm. But 2020 is going to be an interesting year mm. because a lot of promoters from different companies are essentially going to work hand in hand and say, look, I'm going to scratch your back here. You scratch my back there. I've mm -hmm. got this artist that wants to play here. You've got this artist that wants to play there. Let's throw away the radius clause. Boom, bing, bang, show. Right. So you think it's going to be a better concert market for a band like the Disco Biscuits now that it's not business as usual really anymore. Exactly. I think it's going to be a really fun year. I think if you're looking at this from a fan perspective, mm -hmm. you're going to have a lot of opportunities to see the band. That's and cool. I think from a band perspective, we're going to create a lot of reasons why you should come and see every show. For sure. It's not just going to be playing the same songs in different ways. It's going to be some really interesting stuff. Yeah. A lot of pandemic music being written, <laughs> new album stuff and just crazy stuff. So if you are a ticket holder mm -hmm. or want to be a ticket holder mm -hmm. and you do get tickets, mm -hmm. we're going to honor your show. Yeah. We're going to honor the show. We're going to play the show. Mm -hmm. We just have this pandemic thing. We got to sidestep. We're working hard. Honestly, I've never seen agents work harder than they have in the last week. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because they, they get to book every show twice. Exactly. Double the work. more. Yeah. Double the work. Same pay. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's all for you guys. Like the reason why these guys get to play these shows is because of you. And the reason why they look forward to playing the future shows is because of you. So we're taking all that into account and um, we'll be seeing you a lot this year. Campisco, is that going to get canceled? No. Campisco is going to be great. Campisco is going to happen. And what about Electric Forest? I don't know a lot about festivals that are out of our control, but mm -hmm. I, I will say this. I know that festivals that are selling very well are going to happen unless the government says they can't. Right. Um, if you're asking me, completely having no idea any insight into these specific festivals mm -hmm. I would say that large scale events and large scale sporting events or music events are probably going to be the last thing to come into play I think the first thing that they'll start letting back gatherings of 50 gatherings of 250 gatherings of 500 gatherings of 1000 at the end of the day those events that are 50,000 to 100,000 people those will probably be the last to come on back right so electric force maybe, maybe we were hoping we're crossing our fingers I think we'll be good yeah, it's far away. We've got a bunch. Electric Forest, High Sierra, mm -hmm. a bunch of others we haven't announced yet. Yeah, I mean, literally, we had the most exciting Disco Biscuit summer in a decade planned for this summer. Headlining so many of these great festivals. It's huge headliners. Like, I was having a, like a conversation with myself every morning, which I still have, uh, with a cup of coffee being like, how are you going to be great at this moment? What are you going to do? You know, like, look in the mirror and be like, what are you going to do that's going to be cool? on this day 
And there was a lot of days being inserted. It used to just be like Saturday Night Campus go, what are you going to do? Then it was like Electric Forest headlining. What are you going to do? Then it was High Sierra. We have never played the headline stage at High Sierra. And it's like in a football arena kind of. What are you going to do? I think everyone's monitoring the situation and taking cues from the response. So Mm -hmm. in two weeks now, we'll be able to make a more informed decision. In a month from now, I can tell you if the festival's on or off. So should people kind of leave August open and maybe prepare to usually the biscuits we don't tour in august we used to when we were starting out and then we stopped touring in august because people like to go to the shore and they like to just do some you know basic bitches fun stuff that they get to do and then we can throw our shows in september and you know what i mean but is august now going to be prime touring territory for a band that had a wonderful May and a wonderful April, booked up and ready to rock. There's going to be some really exciting stuff that you guys are doing in August and even in late July. I love that. I think August is a great time to tour and nobody does it. Oh, yeah. What's wrong with everyone? I don't know. It's a beautiful, gorgeous month. We could play outdoor all month long. I'm looking at the calendar right now and I'm telling you, man, there is some really fun stuff coming up. It's really great. We're lucky to be able to do it. I think my birthday is April 1st. I think it's going to be cleared up by then. Not necessarily return to normal, but the messaging from the higher-ups is going to start being like preparation, preparation, preparation for what's going to be a really great summer. And like news about cases is going to be going down and Italy is going to be under control. And so there's going to be a lot of positive messaging around it within the next two weeks. Doesn't mean go out. Doesn't mean do a hundred thousand person fest. Don't go to Carnival. As you said, by the beginning of May and stuff, things that get canceled in May, it's going to be like a bummer. I'm seeing a lot of festivals moving right now from that time period. Yeah. They're just moving to later in the year. So So do we just like fill that time period in or is it everybody just going to be like, well, we're cool. Pandemic. It's risky because it's tough to say. Look, we've got some great shows during that time period that Mm -hmm. we're all banking on happening. I was really in the mood for the Mission Ballroom show. I know. Well, that we, looks incredible. we are moving that to a great date. That's going to make everyone really happy on this listening. Oh, awesome. Those of you who are thinking of going to Denver, hold on to your ticket stubs. And this show will be the same with the tractor beam middle set and everything? Yeah. Ah. More time to practice for it. Yeah, well, we don't need that, but it's always good to have a little extra time to practice. So let me ask you another question. There is a little bit of a Disco Biscuit conspiracy group. Mm. And they're wondering if the coronavirus and Mark's corona surgery have anything to do with each other. They think it's a little too convenient that shows are being canceled, both for corona. I think this is some deep state shit here, right here. You think so? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I can't comment on it. Does that make Mark an operative? I can't comment on it. Mm-hmm. I'll take the fifth. I would not be surprised if Mark was an operative because it's so hard to get stuff out of him. You know what I mean? (laughs) Is there any type of lightning round that we end this with? No, we just say it's over. Are we done? I don't know. I need to get a lightning round. I don't know. Let me see. Okay. I would love a lightning round. (laughs) Okay. Real quick. Lightning round. And by the way, I'm under no pressure to go anywhere. I'm full on COVID. I mean, no, we've been talking for like a hundred hours. It's great. Let me ask you here that here are the lightning round questions and they're not necessarily COVID related. So you can just ignore COVID and pretend we could talk about having a normal jam band. If 
the Disco Biscuits were to do a live collab with any artist on the planet, who would it be? I would love to see you guys do something with someone cool like Lee Bridge or Jamie Jones or Solomon or someone in that world because I feel like that would take you guys outside of your box. But I also think you can go to the other side of that. So you'd like to see us work with like a major DJ in the trance world? In the house space, I think that could be really cool territory for you guys. Do you think like having someone like Solomon like actually DJ Tractor Beam itself, which is kind of what Posford was going to do? Playing one of those songs or? Okay, so the Disco Biscuits are playing with Simon Posford. Mm-hmm. So is that going to happen no matter what, right? Because camp will probably yeah. happen, oh, right? Yeah, 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 and so yeah, that's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. that going to happen? A hundred percent. So the Biscuits are playing all the, the music with Simon. We're doing all of his stuff, mm-hmm. right? So essentially, if you just rename the Biscuits Tractor Beam at that moment in time, which we're not singing and we're not playing our stuff, so it's arguably either band. Yeah. All we have to do is put the jumpsuits on. Yeah. Suddenly we're Tractor Beam. Well, then really Simon is just DJing Tractor Beam instead of DJing an album. Yes. I think the harder part... So is that what we do with Solomon, something like that? Well, I think the harder part with the DJ playing your songs on his thing and mixing Mm -hmm. it, what are you guys playing on top of that? Versus a DJ playing one of his songs and you guys playing stuff on top of that. I guess it's the same thing. The same thing. Yeah. It's like instead of DJing CDJs, you're DJing the Disco Biscuits. Yeah. Yeah, I think that could be really cool. Or Tractor Beam, whether we're wearing jumpsuits or not, really. I would love to hear uh, some cool songs like that. I mean, I love the idea of these DJs who are like famous for having an incredible taste, incredible sense of the dance floor mm-hmm. and control of it, mm-hmm. you know, and giving them a world-class group of musicians like Tractor Beam or Disco Biscuits and saying, you know, give us the songs. How would you put these together? Like, to me, that's very interesting. It's kind of what Tractor Beam is right now. Space Cookie is the person doing the DJing. And we don't have these like long form shows where Space Cookie can really do a lot of different things. We only have one tractor beam show every once in a while. But it'd be interesting to do a tractor beam tour mm-hmm. with a different DJ every night and let Space Cookie like do what he kind of does in addition to DJing the band, which is kind of consult us on how he more coaches a lot of the time. All right, next question. On the studio album... What artists would you like to see or artists would you like to see the band collab with in a studio setting? It's a tough question because I feel like you guys can essentially adapt and play with any artist, but I'm trying to think of what artists I would love to see you guys play with. Mm-hmm. And I think it might range from some like old... Studio. Artists. We're in the studio yeah, in now. in the studio now. Okay. Like, is that a Jay-Z? Is it a Lizzo? Is it a... Uh, I could see the urban is side. Is it a like, Hans Zimmer? I love that. I mean, that would be really cool, creating some cool soundscape. That'd be kind of rad, yeah. right? Um, actually, that might be it. Hans Zimmer would be insane. Because that band thing he did was terrific. I went to that, and it was fantastic. Maybe we try to make that happen, do it at Disney Hall. I would love that. That would be interesting. I like yeah. coming up with ideas on this podcast. Yeah, that's what it's for. Okay, next question. What do you think is the single greatest thing we can do mm-hmm. besides the normal things that we do? For our core Disco Biscuit fans. I think the greatest thing we could do mm-hmm. is continue to excite them. And I really think the way to do that is by doing things that excite you guys. By playing shows at sunrise in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's by doing things differently, not following the playbook from the past. You know, doing things that you guys did early on, doing things that you guys did in the middle, taking the ideas that were fruitful for you guys, but also made the fans say, fuck, that was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Mm. There's a reason why people listen to sets from 10 years ago, five years ago, a year ago, 20 years ago, last month. Those sets stood out. 
Why did they stand out? Because there was magic in them. Mm. And I think when the magic is done in a really special place, it makes it an intangible thing, something that's priceless and something that's special and something that people talk about and tell their friends about. Do you think that really special place requires something like camping, requires like non-stage accoutrements? I think there are elements to that. I think it it could be water. It could be stars. Mm. It could be the sun setting. It could be the sun rising. It could be the middle of a desert. You know, one of the conversations we had last year was about doing something special at Burning Man Mm. and leaking the coordinates of where the set would be and, and not making it this thing of here, we're playing here, but saying, if you find us, you will find something special. And I think that's what this next few years hopefully can be. Mm. creating those special experiences. So you think that like being one with nature is more special than something like Carnegie Hall, you know, where it's like more of yeah. like an accomplishment in a musical well, stand, you know, I think like there's something fun about Radio City, stuff like that. Well, Radio City is something we've talked about. And I think mm-hmm. there is something special about playing at the Garden in Radio City, wherever it is, an amphitheater somewhere. But I could tell you this, mm-hmm. there's a reason why when you're watching a movie, a great scene, a great visual and a great song creates something beautiful and special and there's also a reason why listening to a great song outdoors when you've got the wind up against your head and you look up and you can see the stars there's something special about that Mm -hmm. and i think for us it's about finding these elements that we want to bring together to create special stuff all right let's leave it at that love that ladies and gentlemen mr evan winnaker first time on the podcast manager of the band and hopefully and I feel very confident about this, even though it's fun to hope. Uh, the, the band is just going to do with your team and our team and everybody coming together that we have a team of people that is dedicated and smart enough and strong enough to do some really, really great things in the music business. Super exciting. I love that. And I'm so happy. Thank you for having me. I wouldn't be here without you. And I wouldn't be here without you guys listening. You guys are the reason why these guys do what they do and they do it really well. So thank you, everyone. Thank you. Have a great night. Wait a minute. Communicate.